1: church planner
2: this is pete and this is peyton jones like movie phone that we're going for
1: that kids these days they have no idea what movie welcome to to
2: movie phone that guy was creepy press one yes (laughs) press one if you know the name of the movie you'd like to see Press two if you know the theater you'd like to watch it in. Press three. Would like,
1: Why would you do that? Why don't you just go to the app?
2: <laughs> right. I mean, movie phone was the deal back then. That's how you. Uh, that's how you found out what was playing. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you couldn't trust the newspaper. Who had a newspaper, Pete? We're in the modern world using our uh, dial rotaphones and yeah, movie. I phone. Tell you, no one has a newspaper today. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I actually ban certain newspapers off my. Uh, I get the news. I I do that Apple Plus thing or whatever it is. I mean, you really? Well, really, you don't yeah, pay you don't, for it, right? You don't. Do well, it no, I pay. I pay like thirty bucks, and I get everything. By the way, this what? is our sponsor. Um, no, it's not. I I, I actually get um, thirty bucks for everything, like for Apple a year, TV, a Apple okay. News, what, what, yeah, Apple that? IT, like the music uh, app, like where you get unlimited music. You just, you end up, I, I was paying, and, oh, and then you get like two terabytes of storage. So you get all this crap through Apple now. Um, and I get, I get every, oh, I get the Apple fitness. I get, um, I get everything. So you get all these workout regimes. Is it $30 a month for that? 30, 30 a, a month. And you get every really? pretty much everything they offer. I would never so, pay that. That's outrageous. Really? Well, because it's like 15 bucks for the news app. And I, and I love the news app. And I then it's literally
1: just listen to Pandora and they yeah. turn out the commercials. Why, why would oh. I pay for something? I just don't
2: listen to it. Right. So, oh, so you just tune them out? I just, yeah, I just tune them out when it's commercial time. That's cool. I don't
1: That's understand cool. why you want to pay for that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the radio. You got the radio. Why do I need this, this Sirius XM business? What do I need That's
2: satellite rad. for? So I'm 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 torn right now whether or not to tell you how well church plantology is doing. It's doing well.
1: I don't even know what that means.
2: I don't either. They well, just told see, me that it's doing problem. really well compared to their other church planning books. So it it is done very, very well. But I you just I go, well, I hope it's it.
1: not like a cliff where I have this, you know, great big takeoff and then whoop.
2: Let's just say it might already be the best-selling book on church planning they've ever published. It's done extremely well. That could be good. That could be good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What do you think makes this one different?
2: Is your platform bigger now? It's the name and the title, Pete. And the because logo. I was thinking that's the It's awesome. the logo. <laughs> it's definitely the logo. 100%. <laughs> you know what? I, I think the, I think the title, actually, though, is just you hear it and it kind of clicks. So study of church planting the church plantology that
1: and church zero is that people understand yeah what church plantology is going to be about church planting i mean they could have just said church planting
2: <laughs> i think the other thing pete is that people know i'm connected to you and well, that has been a huge draw i i know that's usually the
1: reason why people <laughs> buy your books i mean, i know that's the reason why the majority of our that's listeners true. listen to this podcast Of course. They want to hear me.
2: Of course. Yeah. So, uh,
1: they listen to Crane and they listen for me.
2: It's doing, it's doing well though. And I'm, I'm actually super encouraged. Um, But on Amazon, it's funny because they have it in these, it's like number 13 in church administration. I'm like, how is it in church administration? It has nothing to do with that. So it's in these really wonky, weird titles, um, categories on Amazon. So that's kind of weird. But, Mm.
1: Mm. I'm just saying, you know, I I might've brought this up on last week's podcast, but it's still going through my head. The queen recently lost her husband and now all of a sudden Bill Gates is getting a divorce. I'm just saying, (laughs) I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) You did not bring that up. That is funny. That was a different podcast, but that is pure gold, my friend. Please, please share that meme on Facebook. So I too may share it. Uh, would be. I'm hilarious. just saying.
1: I'm. Just, I, what? What are the odds? What are the yeah. odds these events happen so closely together? Wow. You know what? Uh, have you heard that that uh, when Melinda Gates really started thinking about divorce was when she found out about Bill Gates' relationship with Jeffrey Epstein?
2: Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Back in
1: 2013, she was having serious issues.
2: So- so, I got I got this theory that Epstein might not be as dead as we think he is.
1: But that's, that's actually funny. Dan talks about that all the time on the other
2: podcast. I, I, you know, and I, I haven't listened to your guys' podcast, but it's like, I actually think, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Why do we think this dude's dead? Like, hold on a second.
1: There's actually really legitimate reasons as to why they don't think he's dead based on The pictures that they took and released but my my line to dan this week was there is no way a man like that's ego could let him stay in the shadows it's kind of like the whole is elvis dead dude no way elvis's ego could have let him remain in the shadows for that many years it's just not possible
2: did you see elon musk on saturday night live
1: no, I don't watch Saturday Night
2: Live. Yeah, nor me, nor me. But I watched the clip of him doing his opening man- monologue, and uh, is it, it was a bit different. I t- I told Andrew yesterday. What, what do you said, mean by a bit different? Oh, I didn't say it, it was. It. Was, it, it was just different. It was. It, it seemed really out of place. He he was not. He obviously there's a lot of controversy about him being on there. Um, he is definitely Isn't not it, like got
1: a, a touch of autism or something. I mean, he's well, that.
2: That's what he brought up and you know that that may be true i think he said he had asperger's which very successful people yeah they they can do very well and have asperger's um and I, and i could see it looking at him and i could see how um where people can't figure him out and they're like dude he's tone deaf he you know why does he say this with no concern for people's feelings um that doesn't always mean you have asperger's but perhaps you be, know, you're
1: a jerk <laughs> well,
2: that that's it, right? I mean, people think but, I have Aspergers all the time, <laughs> but there's probably a lot of people out there that that others think they're jerking. They they truly do have Aspergers. So, um, you know, it it it's it, who knows, right? I mean, who who really knows who has what? But um, but it was just really interesting. It was a it was a it was a different it was a different monologue, and I couldn't quite put a finger on it. And I don't think it was the Aspergers. But, you know, I keep telling Andrea that we're living in such a weird time that um, I just said to her, look, you know, there, there's just something not right. And I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. You and I have talked many, many times about this, but I, I, there's just something not right behind the scenes right now. You can just, I've never, ever felt like I was living in a movie at any other time in my life. Um but but I am now feeling like I'm living in the beginnings of a society of dystopian making, and I've never felt that before.
1: This week's episode of the Church Planner Podcast is sponsored by Guns and Ammo. Buy them while you can.
2: Huh? I'm just saying we we huh? you, you can't you can't keep and I'm not even going there. That's your other podcast. I, I'm not even going there. I'm I'm thinking. Gosh, man, it just seems like a lot of head for the hills talk like Jesus gave in the very beginning. where He goes, hey, when you see this and you see that, you know, and he does indicate that things are going to play out again and again throughout history. If you understand how the Bible lays out um, the, the, the eschatology or the, um, the, the study of the end times, it lays it out as if it's a cycle that repeats. So the first century had things. Um, the kind of Reformation had things, the, the World War II had things, and we just seem like we're heading into one of those where Jesus says, when you see these things, it's the beginning of birth things. And it just seems to me like we are heading into a time where it's not all Netflix and chill. You know what I'm saying? And I understand that metaphor, but I'm just saying it's not all what we think it is. Um, there's, there's something going on. And we're being pacified. What do you
1: think about what's going on in Israel right now? Because you
2: got a uh,
1: family, Palestinian family, right? And
2: yeah, I'm not actually aware of what's going on in Israel. Oh, really? So my news app has failed me, clearly. No, no, I, you been, know, a, I'm I'm finishing up this building project. It's basically I've been, war.
1: It's basically war right now.
2: Is it? Yeah. What Between who? What's happening?
1: Palestinians, uh, Hamas, and Jews. Really? I mean, it is like rockets are going off left and right, full side. Oh. I mean, it's it's like, really, I'm looking at it going, oh, so the whole world's about ready to light on fire. Because, wow. I mean, all it's going to take is Israel, like, I don't know if people realize this, but for like the first time in 40 years, we changed our nuclear policy, our nuclear stance because of Russia. And that was because of Israel telling Iran, we're going to nuke you. And Russia's like, oh, really? And then we had to go, oh, really? And I'm like, dude, do people not realize we're like, this is not good right now. And no one's not- talking about it. Like the news is barely
2: covering no, it. No, the news isn't covering anything anymore. It used to be that the news was not covering anything and just bashing Trump. Now it's the news is not covering anything and is ignoring Biden. So that that is kind of I mean, I I watched a clip of Biden last night and I I just said, hey, girls, this is your president. What do you think? Didn't say anything. I'm not anti Biden. I, I was really pulling for Biden to do well when he got in. Um, I'm not Democrat or Republican, but holy heck. Like I, I just can't believe that, and and I get I don't want the media to to pile on ridicule on a guy who's clearly struggling in his old age. But again, it's one of those things. Like, what's going on here? What's actually going on? Like, like this is concerning to me. So my eight and twelve year old were watching it, going, "Dad, he doesn't seem okay." Oh. <laughs> my eight and twelve year old, you know, they're like, "Dad, why is he? Why can't he talk?" And uh, I mean. My kids know nothing, we don't talk politics in front of our kids. And in fact Andrew and I don't like talking politics at all. so it's kind of a it's kind of a no-go area in my house just because we'll talk but the only way that we'll talk about politics is just where we find common ground. Um, and I think because Andrew and I are such a mix where we can't get behind either one of the major uh, news channels it just always seems there's an agenda and I like to think of myself as a little bit more of a critical thinker. So I don't, I don't like to be taken for a ride by either news station, you know? So I don't know if that makes much sense. So our, our talking tends to be, we're aware that we're just ignorant about everything because we're not being told the truth on anything. Yeah. No, gosh, I do sound like a conspiracy theorist, don't I?
1: You know what? But see, I even hate that term because that's what everyone uses. They throw out at you if you have any kind of different opinion at all. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Even Ed Stetzer was doing that. I'm like, dude, just because people don't want to take the vaccine does not mean they're a conspiracy theorist in the way you're <laughs> intending it.
2: I told you about that, right? Were they asked to um, experiment on my daughter? Oh, my no. Daughter has, my daughter has sickle cell anemia. So they said, hey, we want to find out what this vaccine does. We got a letter in the mail we want to find out what this vaccine does to sickle cell anemia. Um, someone in your household has this. Would you please um, keep us, you know, get the vaccine and please keep us posted on the effects. Literally. Are you and we're f- like, uh, no, my daughter's not a guinea pig for you to figure out because here's the reality. We don't know. You don't know. So why would I give my daughter this vaccine? If it triggers something in sickle cell anemia, why, why would I do that?
1: I am begging you to please take a picture of that letter and post it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if we can find it. I, I think we threw it out. Dude, that would be everyone to go, see, see. Well, and here's the thing. I, I just think it's personal choice. Everybody, yeah. everybody make their, their own decision. And yet that's uh, just something that, that we seem to have lost sight of in America. You
1: know? yeah, I have no problem with people who want to take it or with people who don't want to take Same. it. I just got a problem with with. uh, I have a big problem with them like forcing it, and it's like, but wait, we don't really know much about it. I mean, granted, I would say it's probably pretty safe (laughs) because I always said I want to see the first hundred million people get it (laughs) and they're getting it. Right. And I mean, yeah, some people have had reactions, some people have died, but that happens with every vaccine. Like that's not unique to this. But I have I have other issues with like wait a second you have the vaccine but you still have to wear a mask Uh, (laughs) like it doesn't actually stop you from getting it uh i don't think that's what a vaccine is
2: yeah like you know and here's the thing i i guess this is kind of where i i i feel with all this stuff is if it all goes down I have a responsibility to preach a gospel. That is my that is my role. That's my lane. So I tend to think, you know, like uh, I'll sometimes hear people saying it came from a lab in Wuhan, and you know, I mean, I've heard great arguments for that, and then you know, you hear Fauci saying no, it didn't, and yada yada, and you never know who to believe, right? I mean, that, that's three.
1: In a, in a Senate hearing with Rand Paul. I saw that. Yeah. I saw and he's that. like, yeah, I'd love for us to find out where it came from. So in other words, we don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's finally, we don't know where it came from.
2: Yeah. And and here's the thing is, is you never know what to believe. And my thought is look, how much of a difference is it going to make to my life? If I do, why would I spend all of that energy, time and attention on delving into and in doing what people call research, you know, quote unquote, you know, which means you, you,
1: you study internet means.
2: Yeah, you, you, exactly. Like it, to me, it is always a funny thing when someone says research and I saw a, a post recently where someone says, are you even capable of doing research? And they laid out like what research actually means in academic circles. and, and, <laughs> And and I love it because research doesn't mean reading someone's rant or even research means you do the research. You actually have case studies and you do like, it's actually quantitative and qualitative data. Um, so don't say you've done, re- just say, I read something and I believe it. Um, but, you know, here's, here's the thing. At the end of the day, if I come to believe something that I've read or I come to believe and someone persuades me. I don't really have a way of validating it. And so, the the thing that always comes into mind for me is I'm going to prayerfully consider what I respond to as a, as a minister of the gospel. That is what I am. And number two, um, I'm going to stay in my lane, like Paul said, where he says, do not. He says, no soldier gets involved or entangled, he says. And he uses that word carefully. In civilian affairs, he's telling Timothy, look, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of things going down. You're gonna be very tempted to comment on it. and he goes, just continue to look towards what your commander is commanding you to do. Continue to keep his message, continue to stay at your post. And that's what I'm doing. You know, I might have personal opinions. But in and this will actually lead in today's topic but I, I still got smack talk but I want to talk today about the number of of Christian leaders leaving the ministry um, I don't know if you're aware of this but um, a, a good friend of our podcast uh, particularly back in the early days was Brandon Cox and he announced recently that he's leaving pastoral ministry and uh, and that's not a bad thing for Brandon you know I didn't brandon know that. Yeah, it's not, it's not scandal. It's not anything bad that Brandon's, Brandon's doing. I mean, I don't even fully know the reason. I just know that it was announced. Um, uh, and, and it, you know, one of the things he cited was people being angry. During COVID, that every time he turned around and that's been a common problem. So I want to address that today. What do you mean people it's being angry? Angry that he did over? Angry doors. over masks, angry over meeting this way or not meeting this way. Or did you promote the vaccine or not promote? So he resigned at the end of April. Um, it's not even been a month. And, and I want to talk about that today. Um, when we get to it, because I think that will be a fantastic topic. How do you deal with people's expectations? How do you deal with the constant onslaught of varying opinions in a very divided age and in the age of anger and outrage? Right. Um, Stetzer had a book on that, you know, um, leading in the age of outrage or, or ministering the age, something, something to that effect or Christianity in there or the church in the age of outrage. Um, which I did not read. So I can't, um, I just, know it was a title. It's a relevant topic. But how do you as a planter um, deal with that? How do you as a shepherd, a spiritual leader, um, a small group leader, a home study How do you deal with this? Maybe in your home study, you got like six people that think six different ways and expect you to do six different things. How do you deal with those expectations? So that's that's what I want to come back to. But before we do that, we got some more smack. Well, uh, what is your smack? So... I, I, I want to I claim victimhood in my house. I have been persecuted and mistreated, maligned, and uh, poked fun at, um, which is normal. But this one's particularly hurtful because, as I said before we went live with this. It's okay. I, when
1: you get to heaven, you'll have hair again.
2: And I'll be tall.
1: <laughs> no, that, that'll never happen, even in eternity. Do you
2: think God would take my handsomeness away, though, to keep me humble?
1: I'm not sure he uh, gave it to you, but your ego is fully intact.
2: I like what I see when I look in the mirror. Darn it. And that's all that matters.
1: As long as um, I got the reflection going over that way and I'm looking at something. Anyway, go
2: you're good enough. You're smart enough. And darn it, got it. People, people like, like you. <laughs> <laughs> so... uh Anyways, um, yeah, so I, you know, I'm a little sucker for the internet meme. I'm not gonna, you know, the, the, the little, uh, the little Facebook ad that says, um, hey, uh, you know, buy this and your life will be, die-. I, I like Facebook ads. They know me. They know my algorithms. They know my eccentricities. So I have a little tale of whoa. I'm, this is not what I've been made fun of, but this is just setting up the story. So, I'm perusing Facebook like everybody does. And, and I see, hey, how would you, Peyton Jones, like to have the door knockers of your dreams? They were from Labyrinth. I don't know if you remember Labyrinth where the door knocker. One had the, the the brass, you know, the big ring in his ears and he couldn't hear anything. The other one had it in his mouth so he couldn't speak. So one couldn't hear and one couldn't speak. It was a bit of a puzzle for uh, the girl to figure out, you know, what she was going to do. But anyways, I get these in the mail they're obviously from china <laughs> nothing like i mean that is sure they're round they're 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 kind of brassy and bronzy but these are not what i ordered and what i paid for so i have not been happy but let me tell you what i did order that did come and it was as advertised my ninja pants now i've been wearing these ninja pants for some people call them sweatpants they're not sweatpants, dude. They're like they're like geese. They're amazing. Look at those. They breathe. They're roomy. I can do high karate kicks if I knew karate. Um, but they're so amazing. So I put them on, and when I first put them on, uh, my wife goes, "No, you're not serious." And I go, "Yeah, these are my ninja pants." And they're not, they're kodori men. They're not called ninja. They're like, they market as like Asian streetwear. And let me tell you, the Asian people wearing these look fantastic, right? They're all fit. And like, you could tell like they're doing parkour in their spare time, but not Peyton Jones. No, no, I don't think I could pull them off, but dang it. I'm not letting go. I'm holding on. My, my daughter, my eight-year-old doesn't, she's like, oh, cool pants dad, you know, she liked him. So that's cool. She, she would dress like a unicorn or, you know, a, a, an alpaca every day if she could, but my 12 year old does not approve. In fact, she will not go out of the house with me. She begs me. She makes deals with me. Please change your ninja pants. And uh yeah, I, I'm just saying, so I, I'm ninja pants are here to stay. I have three pairs. Which, to my family's horror, when I told them, oh, they said, are you going to change your ninja pants anytime soon? And I said, yeah, I have two more. So, they, they were not happy about that. But I have ninja pants. And I'm quite proud. And and now they raided them. So, like, these ones, they knew the old ones. The old ones were bad. Um, in fact, I wore one of them on my anniversary. And it has, like, Asian writing down one leg. And they're like, no, dad, no. And uh, But now they're begging for that one to come back. They do not like the gray ones. So I'm just saying it's uh, it, it's been hurtful. I would really, really like you to take a picture and post it into the Facebook group. I'd be proud to do so, Pete. I love my ninja pants. I I'm I'm actually hey, it's it's killed the sweat shorts completely for me. Those are done. I mean, sweat shorts were like the sign of a man who had given up. He was no longer trying to be cool. Didn't yeah, matter if I there was Nike on it. Night huh. right before bed. Dude, you switched to these, Pete. Remember when you were on the underwear kick? I do. Back in the early days? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That was entirely TMI. But (laughs) (laughs) I didn't need to know that, and I don't think our listeners did either. But the ninja pants, I'm just saying, I will convert you to ninja pants. You will never go back. I'll take your word for it. There's something. I don't know what they are, but there's something. That's the biggest cup of coffee I've ever seen. It's actually tea. But yes, that is my bucket. That is my half potter right there. I drink that thing. And uh, you know, it's funny. I, I'm a connoisseur of mugs. There is something about the mug that takes all four fingers. That's a big deal to me. So I try mugs on, like, you know, like people try on pants. But with ninja pants, you just you're good. Elastic waist, really wide legs. They they one size fits all. But for this, man, I'm telling you, like, this is the way to go. You got to have that fourth finger. The pinky needs to be inside. You can't be doing none of this. You can't be doing none of that, right? You gotta, you gotta have them together like a fist when you're drinking coffee. You gotta, you gotta feel like you're you're grabbing onto manhood. I every haven't drink.
1: had a coffee in at least a month.
2: Just hasn't happened. Do we need an intervention? Like,
1: I don't, I don't think so. I what's don't. Happen? I don't, really no want I don't really want
2: drink coffee. Oh, because you don't like it black. You like it with sugary sugar.
1: I haven't had sugar in years, so I don't. Yeah. I, I so, so you're but, drinking it with milk. Almond milk. Okay. Without sugar, huh. almond milk without sugar. No, no sugar. I'm a non-sugar guy.
2: I drink my coffee black, and I love it. And I love it black. I don't know why, but I just do. And I used to be a, a sweet drinker, a milk and a cream and a sugar and a this and a that and a sweetener. And a, what's that one that's the vanilla one that coffee made? Oh, you still love that stuff. And now I can't drink it. But I do still love my black cup of coffee. But, you know, I've I've actually wondered. I've seen this guy. He sells this stuff and it's called mud. And it's made from like mushrooms and all kinds of natural things. You traveled to India and he got all these ingredients and I'm I'm contemplating. At least
1: that's the story that. that they tell you.
2: Really, <laughs> they're, they're like, like something from Costco and just
1: rewrapping it
2: and they're they're pressing cow patties somewhere in a warehouse in like Michigan and shipping it out as mud. What mud I think water. is funny
1: is people don't understand that those backstories that they're always told are made up by guys like me. Who sit around like I'm doing it for a company right now? I love it. We're coming up with the backstory, and it's, it's like this incredible backstory. And it, I mean, it's got elements of truth to it, but it's not. It's a
2: story. All marketers are liars. Wasn't that the book you told me to get years ago?
1: Did I tell you to get that one? <laughs> yes. There's a great book called "Trust Me, I'm
2: Lying" by
1: yep, that's that's a Ryan Holiday. Is I think it was the guy who wrote it. That was a great book
2: that was well and this is the thing is it serves me right i knew when i was buying these freaking labyrinth door knockers to go on my new office that this was a mistake i I just something inherently said don't do it and 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 i it was kind of like uh in lord of the rings where he gets the ring of power at the very beginning and he he goes are you gonna destroy it and he goes no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> slow motion. That was me. It was like, I got to have these. I don't care if I'm going to get ripped off. I must have it. And, uh, yeah. So I, uh, I did get ripped off. So I gotta, I gotta go fight China now.
1: You know, what's, what's horrible. And this has nothing to do with anything you just talked about, but I was just looking at myself in the video and, uh, and it came to me. I, when I did my last shooting competition, just a couple of weeks ago, I had someone videotape me while I was doing it. And looking at that videotape, I can see the white hair in my head. Nice. Like my kids don't even think I have red hair. They're like, that's "It's cool. not red." And I'm like, "Well, you're right. It's not like it was when I got married. That's for sure." It's I got a lot
2: of white hair, dude. A lot. Dude, you're you're behind me. So I mean, I can't I can't say like you know, any anything other than Hey, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> you know? There you are, Peter. <laughs> when I when I threw out my, my soul patch and it was
1: it was it was a lot bigger than it is now. And so it's so white. I was doing this webinar and like this lady types in, she goes, Is there something wrong with my monitor? I see this little white thing on your face and it won't go away. <laughs> it was the soul patch.
2: <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Oh well, Pete. That's I don't know about you, Pete, but You might spend countless hours preparing for messages, then preach your heart out every week. But then what, Pete? How can people in your church or online, through your online ordination, find those messages again? Not just last week's message, but what about last month's or last year's? If people are going to your website, Pete, to listen to your previous messages or podcasts, they're probably having to scroll through endless pages to find that message or podcast, or being instructed to go to YouTube or Facebook. Or where podcasts are found to listen to it, which is frustrating, Pete, not to mention distracting. There's got to be a better way. Well, Pete, there is. Sermon Boss is an audio video live streaming platform which comes with a podcast. that You can easily integrate into your church's website and church app so you will no longer need to send your people anywhere else to find your teachings. So let me simplify this. Um, When people are coming to your website and they want to listen to you, it sends them off. This sermon boss keeps people on your webpage the whole time. So that's kind of a big deal, right? Pete? Uh, yes. Okay. Sermonboss.com today and schedule a free online demo to see how easy it is to make your teachings more accessible and keep people on your page. That's it. That's all I got. I like it. Yeah.
1: Great Scott. It's time for this week's topic
2: is get down to the nitty gritty.
1: Nice. Uh, what was today's topic? Quitting. It's well, another one
2: about quitting? So there's different different uh, reports coming in. There's anywhere the one report says that twenty-nine percent of pastors are saying that they're gonna quit ministry um, after the lockdown. Then anywhere from fifty to sixty percent by another survey or study said. So nobody really knows, but it appears to be somewhere within 30 to 60% um, of pastors are saying, I'm done. I quit. And I get it because, you know, people suck. Like, if anywhere you're going to learn that people suck, you're going to learn that ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ministry is like being a cop, man. You see everybody's junk. And then because you're a soft target as a minister, people come to you and say things. I remember being in a church. Uh, I was at Louis Jones's church. And I was in a meeting and somebody was so brutal during this annual general meeting, which if you've ever been in a denomination, that's like a big deal. You have it out. And then they talk the pastors, freaking finances in front of everybody. And I remember somebody stood up, like multiple people were just being cruel to this guy And this is my first one. I was American. I was 25. I was hot off the boat. And I stood up in the meeting and I said, hey, I just want to say like, this is the first time I've ever been to one of these. And this is terrible. You guys are talking to this guy like he's not even a man. The stuff you're saying, because he's a pastor, I'm just telling you right now, if you said this out on the street to any other man walking around, they punch you in the head for this. And I think you guys need to understand his wife's because at one point during the meeting, his wife started crying and got up and left the room because of something they said. And I just said, I, and that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I said, look, some of you guys deserve a punch in the head for the stuff. You've said, you've shown no restraint to this man and you've treated him like a soft target because he's a pastor. And I go, frankly, I'm disgusted. It says more about you guys as men than it does about him. And I sat down and there was like this silence on the room, but I was, I was mad. I mean, really mad. And so what, what happens a lot is people don't feel that they can defend themselves or even say things like in defense of themselves during this time. They just think, I got to take all this crap. You know, um, I, I remember when I was bivocational in planting, when people would come up to me and say, hey, you know, you, you should have done this. And I just say, I don't work for you. And they'd be like, what? You're my pastor. And I'd, Yeah, but I don't work for you. I make a paycheck somewhere. I don't work for you. I'm here for God. And uh, I, I think you misunderstood and thought you were my boss or, you know, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm not your servant. So I will serve you, but in serving him. So I may have left you let you down on your expectations of me, but if you want to start expectations, uh, we could get into my expectations of you and what you ought to be doing. But I don't think either one of us are here for that so um and and the person just kind of looked at me shocked like like they they'd never heard this before <laughs> and I just laughed and says okay look I, I get you probably never had a pastor talk to you like this but in all honesty I'm working a job like you I'm making a living like you do and I don't have time to take care of everyone else's needs i'm I'm barely surviving it is myself and it and it actually clicked for them and that story had a happy ending and they kind of got it. You know, and, uh, now I'm not saying that you guys listen to me going, Oh, that's great. Peyton, I could never say that or I never would say that. We have to understand. I had just come through, uh, the time where I, I quit ministry for good. I was very reluctantly leading a church plan at that point and I just had no time for, for nonsense. And I, I would say. That if you, and again, it it made it a lot easier. That was bivocational. So those of you, 90% of you planners out there, bivocational, you're going to have a lot easier of a time kind of leveling with people and saying, let me explain something to you. And you might want to write that speech out. You might want to just kind of tell them, look, there's a lot of expectations here, but um, I'm not a man pleaser. And you could use that verse in Corinthians where Paul says, am I still pleasing men? If so, it would not be an apostle of Christ. And what Paul's saying there is I was sent by him. I serve him. He sent me here with a mission. I'm here to do that mission. There's a lot of incidentals along the way. I'm going to get those wrong. Being right with, you know, honest with your people and saying, I got you and about six other people tell me six different ways to go, six different ways to act. And you know what? I'm just going to have to, and, and this is the great thing about team leadership. I'll take that to the team. We'll talk about it. You know, we may not agree with you. There's 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 a team of us, and you know, just like you got your opinion, the team has their opinion too. And uh the 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 golden rule for all of this, and this is gonna be hard to hear, especially at the tail end of COVID, is you can't be afraid to lose people.
1: Yeah, I um interesting topic for this week. I was talking with a pastor this last week, I think last Friday, I can't remember exactly now. And he had uh see my webinar on the bi-vocational training that I do for Bible pastors. And, and so he wanted to talk about it, see if it was right for him kind of a thing. And, uh, dude, man, his story, he and his wife moved back to the States from the mission field, takes a job as a pastor. I don't remember what state it was somewhere, you know, East coast ish, maybe Ohio, something like that. I don't remember exactly. And, um, he he starts putting things in place, like there needs to be accountability, there needs to be leaders, and they didn't like that. And so he's living in the parsonage, and then they end up firing him. So here he is back from the mission field. He's got no assets, right? Because he's on the mission field. They don't own a home here. He's living in a parsonage, which now he's kicked out of. And so he's got three kids, basically like 12 to 16 in age, and He's like, you know, I feel like I'm starting over from scratch, but that's because he'd been full-time ministry and he didn't have that, that Bivo buffer that you're talking about of, Hey, my income's coming from something else. I mean, yeah. whatever it is.
2: I mean, it's just, did they, did they give him some kind of like severance or did they give that- him a, a run up? Cause that, that is another thing too, is there, there are legal ramifications. Um, when you fire somebody um, there has to be just cause for firing. Like, you well, who, can't I don't know
1: if it was an official firing or right. we're asking you to leave or we're at, I mean, I don't oh, Okay.
2: All I don't right, Cause,
1: but it's still the point of like, you know, where he's at in his life. They yeah. moved back to the, back to, I think it was one of their parents' homes. Wow. Because they had to. That's tough. And I'm like, and then he's telling me that he was spending 70 to 80 hours a week working on the church. And I'm like, you can't do that. You can't do that for your kids.
2: No, nope. rejection that- is protection, and I, I I know that's a look. I'm I'm a guy that gets rejected a lot, and that's not a pity party. That's not my ninja t- ninja pants talking. I just the uh, apostolics are used to rejection. We're used to getting overlooked. Like um, I, I was. I was talking about this recently with somebody because, um, like Lonnie Frisbee, who was um, the guy who basically built Calvary Chapel. People think of Chuck Smith as the guy who built it. It was actually Lonnie Frisbee. He was the apostolic. Lonnie Frisbee, very interesting um, case study about him. I mentioned this in the book, Church Plantology. ching See what I did there? Uh, but, but I mentioned that when you put these different combinations of the APES gifting together, um, when you have someone with high, high apostolic function, like um, uh, Lonnie Frisbee, and then you put him with a teacher, he builds a, a word-based movement, right? That exploded. Then he left there and he joined Vineyard with John Wimber. Boom, that thing blew up because he was the apostolic. So, they're catalysts. So, you add them in, it's like a chemical explosion. So, that thing blew up in the Vineyard and made the Vineyard what it was. Then he moved from there to Florida to join the discipleship, uh, what they is now known, um, as the discipleship submission movement, where you would report to your discipler and, and it was kind of like a pyramid structure. It's a little bit cultic, really. Um, and it had all kinds of weaknesses and flaws. It was well intentioned, but, but, um, the structure was, was rotten and, and he built that thing and that explodes. So here you got this high apostolic catalyst. Lonnie Frisbee, who yes, there were problems. Yes, he, he when he was in Florida, his wife cheated with the the main leader there on him. He went into a tailspin. Homosexuality is part of his past before he'd gotten saved. He had repented of it, but he went back into it for a time. It's very well known. <clears throat> and um, but in each movement he was in, um he kept getting overlooked and passed by um, because nobody knew within the structure of what to do with him. So he kept getting rejected, which is why he would move on each point because here he was, he was basically, God was using him to bring tons of people there, create this new movement. And then there, in some ways he threatened those that he was, this is a whole nother topic I'm delving into, but he threatened those that he was serving with, so because of that, he would he would just quietly move on and go to the next thing, and then that thing would mushroom. And so, um, I, I guess the point I was making is, apostolics are used to uh, being mov- kind of overlooked. And over the years, I've developed. Um, I heard someone once say, "Rejection is protection," and that has become a lifeline to me. And I found it to be 100% true that when somebody rejects you, even though it's painful, even though it's hurtful, I mean, that church saved that guy, you know, by 70, 80 hours a week. And they they were ungrateful and unwilling to change. He will look back in years and say, man, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because that's how I look back on the church that I was in that hadn't had a pastor for 20 years. And again, it was the same thing. Like there was, it was like the Jerusalem church where, you know, there was the Jews and the, and the, and the Hellenists, and they started dividing over it. Um, For me, it was the Welsh speakers and the English speakers. And there was this huge division brewing and nobody thought, you know, on the Welsh side that I was doing, uh, what needed to be done, the Welsh speaker side. Now, these were Welsh English speakers that were on the other side of it. Those are the people getting saved. Um, and then when the Welsh speakers started getting saved, it caused all kinds of problems because then the Welsh speakers are like, well, now you're encroaching on our territory. It was really bizarre and weird. We've since worked it out. But um, man, I'm telling you, it, you just cannot live your life pleasing people. And that had a sanctifying effect on me. Because when you get over that needing to please people thing, you become a force to be reckoned with. You know, and I'm not saying being a jerk like we think of that as being like a sinful thing. Paul wasn't out to please people. But when you read in Second Corinthians, which, by the way, if you're going through it with people that are very difficult to please and it's beating the snot out of you. Um, a, a solve for that wound, a balm for that is second Corinthians because that's exactly what he's dealing with. He's having to to he's having to answer their accusations and criticisms of him and his ministry. Now get this, Paul's motive in that book is that he feels, and he, he keeps—I don't know if you—if you've read Second Corinthians—and notice where he keeps going. I'm stupid to talk like this. I'm out. Of, I'm crazy to. And he starts boasting, and he—and and then at other times he's defending himself, and he's like, well, "Do I even need to defend myself?" But I will. You know, this foolishness. He goes on, and Paul keeps saying those things because all the way, what's really at stake for Paul is the gospel itself, because. In the middle of all this criticism was also they were turning to false teachers. So, Paul's motive is, look, I don't have to defend myself, but I do need to defend the gospel. And as the messenger who brought the gospel to you, I'm going to have to jump in and maybe stand toe-to-toe with the super apostles a little bit. So, he spends a lot of time defending himself. That's a very healing book when you're getting attacked. Um, you'll relate to things in that letter that that will just jump off the page to you. Um, powerful, powerful book. Very grateful God put it in there. But Paul, you, you'll see a model of a guy who he doesn't come out on the side of the flesh. He's very much walking in the spirit as he's dealing with all this criticism. And I'll help you learn a little bit. Mm. He's also not catering a cow-towing either. Right.
1: So what do you say to pastors who are thinking about quitting right now?
2: Everything covid do it. Put nope. your notice in. Get it over with.
1: <laughs> Wait till that next Timmy check comes in.
2: Write a letter. Stick it in your top drawer. Leave it for the next guy. There's a there's a really there's a really funny uh, really funny story about that. Um, uh, it 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 starts with there's a series of three letters and um, it, it or three envelopes. And it, on the cover it says, "Open uh, this envelope." You know, and it and it was something like, uh, you know, when when you're first tempted to quit, or, or or you know, when it seems like you can't go on. And so the guy opens the envelope, and it's all this great encouragement, you know. And he, oh, I can stick it out. And so um, then it says, you know, the the second one says, "Open this envelope uh, the next time you want to quit." So he opens it up and it, it 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 hits some new things. And hey, by now the church is probably this and that. And this is from the previous pastor. And then the third one, the, the guy opens the third letter. You know, he's been through a couple more years and uh the church hasn't really changed that much. And he and it says, open this one if you know you want to quit a third time, whatever. And he opens up the third one, he reads it and it says, Time to prepare three envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's just, it's just part of it. You know, it's just part of it. No one, you know, I, I was actually encouraged because I know the man that, that, um, Brandon is, um, he was a good dude. He was one of Rick Warren's boys and, uh, he was a good dude. He was a good dude. Is a good dude. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm just saying when we knew him, he was awesome. I loved Brandon. Um, I think he's another one friended me over the years. Oh yeah. Probably he used to send
1: me uh, Star Wars stuff, and then it was like, "Yeah, Pete, you' you're a little too crazy." I'm trying.
2: <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, you know, it's funny, man, because I I tell you how it works with us, right? Like on a church planner podcast, I was on with Clint Clifton talking about plantology, cha-ching, and um, and he mentioned on the podcast that our our uh, norm is that people find us, we're super helpful and informative to them for a time. And then uh, they kind of move past us. You know, they remember us with fondness, but they're going to, we have a transient audience. Then we have our diehards are just like, Hey, I'm here for the smack talk. You know, I'm, I'm not Is even planning.
1: Are the guys who are like, I've listened to all your episodes <laughs> twice. And I'm like, dude,
2: <laughs> I don't know what to say. Hey, Lloyd Jones said he wouldn't cross the street to hear himself preach. I don't know. I've listened to our podcast a few times just to hear what we sound like, and I've reached out to you and said I listened to our show. It was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. Every once in a while, you go, "This one was so funny." Oh gosh, yeah. There, there's a couple. I remember I was building a shed once, and it just kept playing, and I kept listening because I had like this shed took me like two days. And I I'd, I'd blown through my other podcasts, and so I just listened to ours, and it kept coming on. But yeah, there, I remember a couple where I'm laughing, and and here's the thing with me is I don't remember. Like this is weird, man. Like with Plantology Chiching, I don't remember writing half of it. That's weird, right? Yeah. So when we come to podcasts, it's like someone else is doing it, and I I do not remember. Anything that I've done, people people will quote me online. I'll be like, "Where's that from?" Because I remember writing that stuff, you know. So it's funny, yeah. but uh, I know we're heading up to uh, the hard stop here. So, so my advice to you guys is: lean into Jesus, lean into prayer, and don't act like leaving a church is the end of the world. There is a time to leave, but there's a time to stay too, and you just need to. Um, I I can't answer that for you, but what I can say. Everything I said at the beginning, don't live by people's opinions. Don't feel, don't, don't feel you have to um, please anyone else ever. Um, you need to listen to everybody and, and it should be a team leadership. If, if you're shouldering things by yourself as a leader, that's 99% of the problem right there. If you had a team that you go back to, that's what I learned. In team leadership, I just learned to tell everybody, hey, thanks for sharing that with me. I'll take that back to the team. We'll talk about it and pray. Well, about you know, it. while we you're did. doing
1: all this team leadership, uh, how do you deal with all your IRS compliance and bookkeeping and payroll and W 2s and all
2: that stuff? Well, you know, Pete, uh, that's why I use Simplify Church. Notice there's a bunch of I's in that, they put the I in team, so you know, simplifychurch.com
1: <laughs> forward slash T E I M. <laughs> what the heck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why are they still a sponsor? What is what is Definitely one of the funniest but also one of the stupidest ads I've ever done. That, that was that was that was good. And I knew what I was saying. So uh but yeah, they put the I in team. Um simplifychurch.com, Pete. They handle all my RS compliance, my 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 uh, bookkeeping needs and uh gosh, man, they even they got personal assistants, they got robots, they got all kinds of cool things for you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> they got the T eight hundred, so I mean that's good.
2: Yeah, man. Hey, uh, real quick shout out. By now, when this goes live, uh, Daniel Yang would have had his um, open heart surgery, but um, please pray for him. Pray for his recovery. So he's got a he's got a quadruple bypass coming up and uh, I host with him on Exponential. He's a good dude. So I told him I can't wait to see the T2000 Daniel Yang. So uh, keep him in prayer. So you reminded me of that. So, all right, well, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, be sure to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. See you next time.